This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network. Learn more at trine.edu. Hello, this is James Tu, Assistant Vice President for Content and Communications at Trine University, and this is the Education One Podcast. In this podcast, we speak with leaders from Education One charter schools about their schools and about uh, issues related to charter schools today. Today, I have Joanne Simcox from Lawrence County Independent Schools. Um, Joanne, can you please introduce yourself and tell us what your role is at LCIS and about your background in education? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So, my name is Joanne Simcox. I am the director of schools at Lawrence County Independent Schools. I've been here for three years. My background in education, I went back to school later in life. I think I was in my early 30s. I got my bachelor's in elementary education. I continued and got my master's in special ed. I um, have certifications to teach PK through 12th grade in every subject except for math. Math, I can only go to sixth grade. Um, And I am currently in the doctorate uh, for superintendency at Oakland City University. And I understand you have Sarah Daughtry uh, with you. Sarah, can you introduce yourself and uh, describe your role at LCIS a little bit? My name is Sarah Daughtry. I have been at LCIS since September of 2021. I came in as a principal apprentice. I already had my admin license and was on sabbatical from teaching and wanted to get in and get some experience. So that's where I started. And last year, I was the assistant principal. Uh, This year, I am the principal at LCIS. Before that, I was an elementary teacher. I've taught in D.C. and Indiana for a variety of elementary grades. So this is year 18 I'm coming up on in education. I also have two uh, staff members from Education One here today. Could you both briefly introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Allie Lung. I am the University Partnerships and Marketing Specialist for Education One. And I'm Amanda Webb. I am the academic support specialist. So um, first of all, I know there's, there's kind of an interesting story about um, how, how and why LCIS was founded. So I was wondering if you'd share about that a little bit. Sure. A couple of years ago, the local uh, education authority decided to close their rural schools. Parents did not necessarily agree with that decision and wanted to try and keep that open. They tried to work with the LEA to um, keep their schools open, and that did not end up happening. So that parent group, a good number of those parents formed um, together, and they um, decided to open a charter school. And so about it took them about a year um, to do that, and they ended up buying back the school from the township at the time, I think back in the 1970s time, the LEA had consolidated these schools from the local townships. And one of the things that were a requirement is that if they were then going to close their schools, they had to be able to sell it back to the township for a dollar. So we got the building back. When I say we, um, it's only because I'm still here at the time. I wasn't part of the parent group, um, but they were able to purchase the uh, school back for a dollar and um, got it back into condition for students to be in the building. I, I believe it was only closed for about one year. And we have a few teachers who 
had started their career in this building and only did not teach in this building for the year that it was closed and have returned. Um, and so that's how LCIS was formed. Joanne, could you speak a little bit to, I just know um, your geographic region kind of played a large factor into why um, parents, especially with the consolidation, could you just speak to that too, to give a little context? It is a rural community. There were three rural communities. Two of the schools in the rural communities were purchased back. Um, and I think mostly because um, in rural communities, there is a real family-oriented kind of community atmosphere and the school is the hub of that. I, I think you find that in a lot of communities um, that are smaller. They want that smaller class size. They want to their kids to be closer to them. There's a lot of things agriculturally in this rural community that say they share the values and, and some of the things that we actually can do at LCIS. Um, and so I think when you, I feel like this community is really what kind of came together and said, uh, we want our school back. And so they made sure that they were able to get it back. And the first year it was LCIS. The second year, the other rural building that was closed down was also another charter. What is the mission of LCIS? I really feel um, that the kind of the mission and what our school has grown into when it started, it was like a peaceful education every student can learn in a in a quiet like country area but i feel like it's family like this school's mission is to meet families and students where they are we really try and make connections to families um, i will say that any event we have anything that we do you can see the community support we are kind of we are kind of still the hub of the community this is where parents do come to celebrate their children and be able to take even part in events that are offered here. So uh, I'm going to let Ms. Daughtry add on to that, too, as the principal for the mission of what she's seen LCIS kind of grow into over the last couple of years as well. Our mission is linking learning to life. So everything we do here, we want our, our students to be not only successful students, but we want them to be able to leave LCIS and have a knowledge of, of life. How can they take what they're learning in math and do something in their real life outside of education? So we really focus on linking learning to life. What uh, type of school model do you use at LCIS? So really good question because uh, some of it is place-based learning um, or project-based learning. Um, and part of that is out of the rural community being able to look for, uh, and it goes along with linking learning to life. So some of the things that we do are connected to our outdoor classroom. They're connected to the LCIS garden, um, all of those things that we bring into school. Obviously, there's um, different pedagogies, and, and we also, our teachers kind of look at their students, and from there, base how they're going to build their lesson plans, but a lot of it is discovery hands-on. Of course, there's traditional teaching in the classroom, uh, but we really try and have the kids engage in things that doesn't feel like they're learning at the time, but learning's happening through it. I think that fits into, you mentioned project-based learning. Maybe could you describe that concept for people a little bit more, in a little more detail for people who may not be familiar with it? Absolutely. I will share one of the stories that happened. We know in the community, so what will happen, a teacher might think, oh, there, what community need is out there and kind of engage her students in answering that question. 
last year it was um, a community in our community there were children and family that were not in, in one in Bertha's mission um, but they may not have gotten presents and so the students wanted to be able to do something and and instead of just collecting money and, and purchasing um, that teacher centered a whole lesson plan um, with math skills ELA social studies just writing and so that the students could come up with a way to purchase gifts for the, the women and, fam and children in the shelter. They, she did that through centers. They had to use math to calculate, okay, how much money do we need? How many people are there? How much can we spend per person? Then they had to decide what gifts they were gonna buy, look it up and, and meet their math, their math standards there. They used English and language arts to write the letters. To, they made um, cards to sell. Um, each kid or student made a, a Christmas card that they were then used to raise money so that they could purchase the goods. Project-based learning is typically the model that we're using here is where is there a community need and then how do we get kids engaged in meeting that need and matching standards to it that they have through their learning. This year it's... Um, we have a new playground. We have it uh, handicap accessible, but we do not have a ramp to the playground. And so that was one of the needs the students picked this year. So they've already uh, interviewed an expert on how to build the ramp. They have to calculate how much wood is needed, the cost of it, how they're gonna raise the money, writing letters to different companies to be able to raise that money, create something so that they can get donations then they'll purchase and they'll have help with or be able to add input to the person who's going to build it. We're, we're not going to have the kids create the ramp, but they have already spoken to people about how it needs, what materials need to be done, what the cost might be. How would you describe the school culture at LCIS? The school culture is really just like a family. So our, our younger students are buddying up with our middle school students and our older elementary students. Uh, kids when the teachers have a need, for example, teaching kindergarten and first grade how to use accelerated reader. We had our fifth and sixth grade students buddy up. They came down and did reading with the students and then have been teaching them how to log into that program. We're also using, again, our middle school students get to choose an elective at the end of the day. And one of the electives that they were begging for us to do cadet teaching so that they could spend more time in an elementary classroom. So it's really just like a big family. And Joanne spoke earlier about how our school is the hub of the community. So you'll see community members in here at basketball games that don't even have a student at LCIS anymore, but they want to come and support the kids here. Yesterday, we had a couple of our eighth graders. Um, they went in with in the theme. Uh, class with uh, fourth grade. Fourth, they helped fourth grade make rockets, and then those student groups took uh, their fourth grade or eighth graders took a group of fourth graders out so they could test how far their rockets went. I will say it is like a family that, and, and just to be able to bring the whole school together, we are K through eight, and so making sure that we're keeping that culture throughout the whole school and the connections from kindergarten to eighth grade with all our students is important to us and I think it's one of the important values of LCIS. What is the equity gap that your students face? So uh, LCIS has a high number of populations for special ed. And so the equity gap, 
demographic. And so some of the things that we have put in is kind of some of the same programs that we do for students with special ed. We're trying to now pull in our students that aren't growing but should be growing. I think that's, that is a large gap to our, our special education population, which we saw the need last year and the year before, and how can we help these kids grow? And we really focused in on that, and we've seen with our growth on iLearn and NWEA, just everyday practice that our students that are identified have closed that gap quite a bit. So now we are taking what we've learned, how we help those students, and pushing it out in the general ed population. Another equity gap that you'll see in a lot of schools is just getting our students to school. So since we're K-8, they're not driving themselves. So that's one thing we've really had to focus on is attendance. How do we get our kids here when they can't get themselves here? Um, so we've really reached out and done a lot of community interactions to try to figure out what we can do to get our students here and increase attendance because we know if they are in attendance that they'll be learning more and have access to everything we have to offer. But if they aren't able to get here, then they're not getting the services that they would otherwise have. So we've, we've created new bus stops. Um, and that's another thing we've done. You know, we do have bus routes, which most charter schools do not. So that's one way we've closed the attendance equity gap and we continue to work on that. What are some other ways you've worked to bridge those equity gaps uh, with your students? This school year, we have brought in more more programs and more um, on-computer, one-to-one tablet learning to use that more as a tool instead of a, a lot of times that one-to-one students don't know how to use the Chromebook as a tool. And so we have um, brought in like Renaissance and AR so that they're able to, you know, before a, a a test is in front of them or an assessment, they know how to use the tool, they know what's expected to them. So just uh, making sure that they have greater access to the different types of materials that they need in order to increase their learning is one of the ways that we've done that. We've also put in um, some programs to kind of motivate students. We uh, have a, and this is something Ms. Daughtry started with so that kids are able to see what their growth is, graphing their growth um, as a whole school in classrooms, being able to recognize them when their attendance is, that they'll get a kind of a certificate token and then it goes on their locker. Well, we also created an after school program. We weren't gonna have one this year. So that goes back to making sure that you know, we can get our students transportation. So if their parents are working, we now offer after school for our students and they get additional help. They're able to do some more projects in the after school program. Um, back to attendance, we're celebrating our students that have perfect attendance at our Monday morning meetings and their certificates are posted out on the wall and then on their lockers. We're also recognizing our students that are fantastic phoenixes and they have a medallion that they hang up on their locker and then also they get to have a party once a month to celebrate their successes. Joanne and Sarah, I know on your guys' um, school-specific goal, um, looking at equity, you um, really highlighted just um, wanting to show more growth on iLearn, um, just especially with um, classroom benchmarks, mid-year NWA data indicating competency, but wanting to see that online iLearn. So can you just speak a little more to what you guys are doing with technology and just as a school um, to address uh, that as well? Yeah, so 
one thing we did was we introduced all of our teachers to an online platform, uh, ReadWorks, and that just gives students an opportunity to see what the online test might look like. So they're reading the passages, they're getting used to having to look at the computer screen longer, um, and just kind of building up that stamina and the grit it takes to get through uh, an online test. Um, so that's something the teachers are using every week in their classroom. They started out, you know, they pulled it up and they printed it off to the kids, saw the format, but it was still on paper, which is something they were more used to. And now they're, they're moving into the reading assignment is on the computer. They have to read it. They have to answer everything online. And then they stop and they, they talk about it and they're able to have it sent back to them so they can make improvements. I'm um, just having the familiarity with what the test expects and knowing what to do with it has really honed in on their skills. And also because ReadWorks has so much to offer, whatever topic they're covering in their class, they go ahead and give them an assignment that is going over the same topic. And that goes back to purchasing Renaissance and AR. It's kind of like teaching the process, right? Because when we put a student in front of a computer, there's, there's a difference from the tactile of paper and pen to now trying to bring that content over and doing it on the one-to-one. So we want to get them past the process and be able to access the content and answer the questions quickly. So just um, making that implemented in the classroom more and more often and with more frequency so students are better repaired, prepared when the test is in front of them to show that growth. Because we know they're making that growth, but making sure that they know the process and they're able to process the skills to work on the computer is what's getting in the way of showing what their content is. And I think another important thing that we have focused on is NWEA graphing individually what they're doing. So the kids have, their teachers have pulled them aside so they can see, oh, this is where you scored last time, this is where you scored now, and then to make it even more tactile for them. Each point they grew, they got a little pom-pom. And so each classroom now has a container of pom-poms to show how many points that their class grew, and we're going to dump them together and display for the whole school so we can see the growth as well. And our middle school, they're doing a, a double growth party for all of their students that grew in both reading and math. Again, it's showing them that, yes, it might be, it might feel tedious to you, but it's something that will highlight the outside world how much we know that you're learning. Would you say any of um, just that technological literacy? I come from a rural area as well where we just have deficit in just technology access. Um, just some of our areas like do not receive any Wi-Fi. Do you think any of that, um, just looking at your model and the demographic of the area plays a role just as you are um, helping kids with, as you said, just having that the ability to the long-standing test um, and just using that technology? Again, I don't want to make an assumption for your area, but would you say that has kind of been a root cause of maybe some of these issues? It is. Our, our Wi-Fi coverage and cell coverage is getting better, but we still have students now. It doesn't matter. There, there's no service. They can't get the internet in their home. And some of them might have a little bit of cell service, but it's not ever going to be enough for them to connect and be able to do online work. So that has played a role in a lot of our students' lack of familiarity with technology. Sometimes those challenges are with, uh, I mean, you know, since it is a rural area, there are times when we will lose connectivity um, within our school. So just making sure that we continue to, every time something new comes, to try and update our system so that we're able to do that. Um, we do offer hotspots 
to families, but sometimes they are so far, the hotspot does not, you know, it's not going to work or connect. Um, but absolutely, I do think it is some of the barriers uh, that we have to overcome. Other than the, the equity gaps we discussed, and you mentioned technology as well, what are some other ways LCIS meets the needs of students in its community? Outside of, you know, your typical educational background, we've created sports teams, and we didn't have enough students to have our own basketball teams for different grade levels, so we paired with another local charter school, and together we have enough students to create basketball and track, volleyball, a lot of sports, which gives the kids an additional outlet and helps them build a sense of community within our school, but also with a neighboring school district as well. And that's one way we've met that need for sports in our community. We've also taken field trips and let the kids see what's available in in our small town. Today, we had students actually go and visit a historic opera house. So those are some ways we've gotten our students' experiences outside of just their home. So we have an outdoor classroom that was we were able to kind of redo this year. Eighth graders, middle school were a part of that project of getting uh, kind of like the re-beautification of it. It had been not upkept over the last couple of number of years. And so the, the eighth graders were the ones, I believe it was seventh and eighth grade, that planned where signs, they would replace signs for trees. They're doing an art gallery walk that will be out there that they've done the artwork for. Just providing many different avenues of interest and uh, also connecting the learning to the real world. Um, how else is LCIS innovative within education? Well, like Joanne was just speaking of, we've had all of our students from kindergarten on up participating in the beautification of our school grounds. We have a garden that the students care for, plan, plant themselves. They harvest the vegetables from the garden. We've used those within our cafeteria. So they're learning a lot about sustainability and, again, going out into our nature trail and finding the different things out there that are edible or, you know, poisonous. And so just using the nature and bring it into the classroom so that the kids have a knowledge. And some other programs that have brought them, we have a, a monarch waste station trying to bring the monarch butterfly back. We have milkweed that has been brought and, and kind of harvested on some places. We, they will, um, in one of the, in their steam class, they will every year release the monarch butterflies. We've done this for the last two years now. They get to watch the life cycle of the monarch, look at it and release it. Just anything that we feel that students have a greater interest in and we can bring that interest into the school and also spark their kind of curiosity for learning and how we can get them to engage, we are willing to try and do. Our middle school students just recently designed and used our laser printer to create Christmas ornaments. And so some of them were discussing, oh, what what if we created these in bulk and we sold them? That would help, you know, raise funds for, it was an eighth grader I was talking to, said raise funds for our eighth grade field trip. So they're coming up with a lot of their own ideas to kind of take what they're learning here and putting it into real life. Um, You mentioned having um, an accessible playground. Are there other things you've done to make your school grounds uh, more accessible? Well, one of the kind of biggest celebrations is we purchased a handicapped bus. And so the, the students that went to the opera house today, the historic opera house, 
today and and that happened on Monday as well. They had wheelchairs, and so they were able to go with their classmates on the bus, you know, all in the same bus, and not have to worry about. Um, you know, another parent driving or going. So things like that to just make it much more inclusive. Um, and that for us was kind of a really big deal. We want every student here to feel like everything's accessible to them. And so the playground, when we, when we put it together, that was part of knowing we knew we wanted it accessible. The ramps that we talked about around the school, making sure that everything our students are kind of the ones who notice that they want to make sure that their classmates have the same access to whether it's playground equipment curriculum material another thing the students you know we have a, a nature trail and we have the outdoor classroom our students had some professionals come in they talked about the the grade that what we could do to make it so that our students in wheelchairs could go out on the nature trail and also use the outdoor classroom so on our stage out there there's a ramp that the students can get up um, onto the, the, the stage for the outdoor classroom. And also they cleared away all of the overgrowth on the trails. And now that they've cleared those up, they got some mulch put down and uh, packed in so that our students are even able to get out there in their, in their wheelchairs. Uh, what are some future initiatives you have coming to help further your student access and to create innovative opportunities for your students? I think one of the things we've really started to talk about lately is um, opening a a pre-K. So that's one of the things we're really excited about trying to, hopefully maybe by next year, but uh, just starting it in the works, it might take a little longer. We would love to be able to increase the number of students that we serve each day. Some of the other things that we would like is, uh, I think I would love more about like robotics. We did have robotics year one, um, but I would think I want us to bring that back and be able to have kids really, our students work on that. Really getting our student council up and running again so that the the kids have more input in what we're doing. Because if they have buy-in, we know that they're going to be more interested in doing it. So that's something we're working on now too is, getting our students up and running with student council again so we can get more of their input just like with their christmas ornaments they designed in in steam class we we want to hear from the kids and we want to make our school unique to them and again linking learning to life and i'm going to build that onto like because you know all our staff members in the building we want them to share that in all of that so um we always are welcome to what they want to bring to their classroom and how their kind of expertise make our school special as well. And uh, so many of our staff here have brought what they kind of have special or do or are really well besides teaching outside of the school and brought it in and shared that passion with our students. That is really, I think, is where a lot of these ideas are from, the passion that a teacher has all the things that um, Ms. Daughtry and I have spoke about, like the, you know, sustainability outside and bringing back the outdoor classroom and the way stations and the, and the garden, they were from staff members who had a passion in that and said, hey, I would love to see if we could do this and, and get, they've got kids involved. And, and um, so I really want to highlight them because, you know, we do, our community is great and kind of surrounds us and, and wants to be here, but, it's also the staff that bring those special things into our class that make this 
that connection and make this uh, the family kind of community that it is. What is your favorite part about working at Lawrence County Independent Schools? The students. I mean, I think that's probably the reason why anyone who works in a school is for the students and to see them grow and to see that um, joy on their face when they do actually, wow, I got this. But I think our staff as well to work together and create that kind of culture makes it where you want to come to work every day. We want to be here. We want to be a part of this. I feel like LCIF is not just a great place for our students, but it's a great place for the people who work here as well. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that 100%. It's when you come to work, you're working with your family. Everybody sees every student in this building as one of their own. So it's not their student and my student, it's our student. And so we all want to see every single child and staff member here succeed. The teachers will collaborate with one another. They've really amped up working with, you know, in their PLCs and just talking about how they can help each other and their students. So I enjoy working here because I feel like everybody here is on the same page. We're a family and we want everything. We want all of our students to grow to the best of their ability and we want all of our staff members to succeed as well. You mentioned earlier, you were talking about the students being recognized as fantastic phoenixes. So I'm presuming your school mascot is the phoenix, which obviously has an interesting myth about uh, rising from the ashes. Can you talk a little bit about your mascot and maybe kind of how that reflects your school and your culture? Sure. I, I will share that it was a, that mascot was selected by students and voted on. There were a few of them. Um, and so the Phoenix was born from the first year of students that was here that became our mascot. The Phoenix, obviously, as many know the story, rises from the ashes. Um, and wow, that just runs parallel to, I feel like, what LCIS's existence was, like from the ashes of what was something that was unfortunate for rural communities was something that we did really rebuild. Um, the school had been pretty much empty. There were everything kind of had to be rebuilt, classrooms, bathrooms, internet systems, and from the ashes rose again. Um, and so it does, it is kind of the story of LCIS and um, students recognize it because they're the ones who gave us that name. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't covered to this point? I, I think that when, you know, we get down to the nitty gritty of the day, well, there's we there's been so much that has happened um, in the last three three years for the growth of LCIS. Um, some of the things that uh, kind of help with that equity question was that this year we implemented PLCs, which does provide teachers a space to kind of communicate, look at data, become more data informed. Um, some of the great things that have happened have been through being able to uh, get grants. We've used uh, one of the biggest things that we, the last grant that um, we got was for the Bipartisan Safer Communities Grant. And with it, we have a partnership with Centerstone, who now has someone in our building um, every day that began the beginning of December that can work with our students. Um, and we're able to do more of a wraparound kind of service for students um, and families if they needed the service would be able to also 
counsel with the person from Centerstone. We have put in so many new types of curriculum with like FDL working with the safer communities. Um, we were able to put in a community outreach coordinator who was already an employee here, but now we'll be able to make those connections about health and wellness to families. Lots of great things are happening, but you know, when you think about it over time, wow, it's the, the difference that it makes in our school and our school community. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for um, inviting us, and, and we are so grateful that you gave us this opportunity. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network. Learn more at trine.edu.